0: This episode is in partnership with Roomvo. Roomvo is the number one room visualisation tool used by manufacturers, retailers across the globe. To find out more information, visit get.roomvo.com. Welcome to the UK Flooring Podcast. On this week's show... Which, if you're listening in February, this show has been recorded in February for a good reason. And what we're wanting to do is go through where has all the money gone. We get people come into our training centre here in Darlington uh, with you know, one man or one woman um, in a van or people with multi-site shops. So anything from sort of 60 grand turnover to 2.5 million pound turnover and there seems to be, a not everyone, because quite a few people do have a handle on the money, but some other people get a load of turnover going through the books every month and then get to the end of the year and speak to their accountant and their accountant says, oh, this is how you've done and In my opinion, that's a little bit too late. So with that in mind, the other co-host to the show, Mrs. C, is in the hizzle.
1: In the hizzle.
0: <laughs> how are you doing, Mrs. C? I'm very well. It's nice to have you in the studio rather than just talking to a laptop.
1: I, that, that's the way that I am every single day, just talking away to a laptop for hours and hours
0: and hours. I don't think we really, really speak to each other now that we're in the same office, but it's nice to sit in the studio and. Uh...
1: Well, the main thing is you've now moved your desk in front of mine, so um, I can raise my head every now and again just to see I, what I you're can doing. can
0: see this being short lived and being kicked back on the other side of the room, but we'll
1: see. We, we might be fine. We might be good.
0: Anyway, Mrs. C where does the money go?
1: Great question, Tom. Where does all the money go? We always get asked this question. And it always surprises me that the one thing that people don't know is the answer to that question. <laughs> right? Because I think for a lot of people, what they're doing is they're, they feel like they're making decent money. They can see the turnover, whatever it is coming through their business. And they don't necessarily live extravagant lifestyles. But somehow, somewhere, the money gets spent and at the end of the month, they haven't got anything left. And so everybody's kind of sitting there in a pickle, scratching their heads, thinking like the um, the cash flow monster is going to come up and go, here it is. <laughs> it's just not going to work like that. It's not being stolen from somewhere. But I think the biggest thing that people don't do is really get a handle of that themselves and really examine where it's going, either from a per, on a personal basis to start off with when you've got owner-operators and from a business perspective as well, the two are intrinsically linked. But you need to start there, basically.
0: And then there's also even the, I was going to be insulting then, and say the idiots sort of questions, but it's not the idiots, it's completely unfair, <laughs> um, of when the tax man says, oh, you've got six grand to pay, you know, VAT or Corp mm-hmm. tax or something like that, and it's suddenly like a shock. It's like I can't believe it. I've got six grands worth of corporate tax to pay. I don't. It's like <laughs> as if like you know, it's like a magical thing. Well, it's kind of what happens when you have a limited company and you make a profit. It's yeah, and it still sideswipes people, which you know, I am not numbers led. I'm not. Um, I have to have things put in front of me and and explained to me. Um, for me to try and explain it is um not going to happen. Um, I can give you plenty of tactics how to bring the money in, but. Uh, to look after it, uh mrs C's fault hence why she sat in front of me
1: yeah I think that's really true how are we gonna shoot this as to like how do we give people our advice on what to do in this situation because um if you are sitting there listening going that's probably true I don't know where all my money goes um what are the things that we can do to to help and just give you some pointers on how to get a handle of this and um you've really got to kind of take this seriously I think
0: yeah, so don't open a flooring business if you want to make loads of money. Yeah. That's what...
1: <laughs> you're not going to be <laughs> you're in, in the in. wrong
0: occupation. No, no. That's... Hang
1: on, there are some people that have done very, very well out of their flooring businesses. Yes. Some people that are maybe not doing so well. Yes. And maybe it's because they've not got a handle on their numbers. Yeah. I actually agree. I think that is the truth.
0: And I think February, as I suggested at the beginning of the podcast, is a really good time to look at your numbers because, again, with the trends and the traits of a flying business, normally the quietest month, in uh, my humble but accurate opinion, is that <laughs> <laughs> is the quietest That's month fantastic. is February because everyone rolls their um, jobs from December in into February, but then no leads coming in February, um, so sort of February and then into March is always the quietest period. And then I always find from the sort of second week of March, it sort of takes off and continues all the way through to Christmas. Obviously, small peaks and troughs, but predominantly, February is normally a sack of shit. So, um, this is a really good time to get a handle of your numbers because you really sort of can feel it and it feels uncomfortable. And when you feel uncomfortable about your numbers, that's normally a good time to actually do something about it and look at them. So, Mrs. C... Just generically, on, on a flowing business, where would you even start?
1: Um, I would start by setting your budgets, looking at your budgets, looking at your expenditure. So um, actually, the first thing I would do, if you were listening to this and you actually have one bank account that runs all your personal and business expenditure through it, stop that immediately. Okay, get yourself a business bank account. I don't even know why I'm laughing, but um, we get this all the time that people have this kind of whole entanglement spider's web of expenses and income coming through one account that they can't make head nor tail of. They don't know how much they can take as salary. They don't know how much they can take out. They just take it a bit here and a bit there, and it's just a mess. So if that's you at this moment in time, do that to start off with. Separate all of that income and expenditure, two separate counts, one personal, one business. Yeah, Simple. Awesome.
0: And then if we've got listeners that have got slightly bigger businesses, quarter of a mil, half a mil, 1.5 mil, uh, what, what tactics would you give with those?
1: If you've got bigger businesses over 500,000, you should have, well when we've been through this in our course, up to eight, eight, eight to nine. No, that's lower than that. Eight to nine different types of, um, different accounts. So you could have supplier accounts, client accounts, VAT account, tax account. You've got your main trading account, your savings account and so forth. You separate all of your money up and we can, you know, we can go into those tactics for, for hours and hours and hours and how you separate your money up. Um, anything a bit smaller than that, you could have up to four accounts, Three or four accounts is usually enough. So if you've got main trading account, your VAT account, and then you've got your profit account, they're the three main top ones that we would normally recommend you have in. And What's, so that's what's your up. profit account? So your profit account is the the bit the well in our in our explanation, this is just um, your profit account is where every month you move across all of the retained profits from the business um, that you've got, and um, we we actually what do we call that Tom? Your,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is your, this Del is boy your, account. this is your, Tom's Dell boy profit account. This is how we put this together. Um, but you could use it for multiple, multiple other things. Um, but the profit account is basically so you can see very visually how you're doing at any given point. Um, you're moving all your profits over once you've actually put money aside for all of your your main trading and for for the tax man.
0: So in layman's terms, um, let's keep it simple. So we haven't got like nine bank accounts because it depends on the business. You know, it's not, it depends on what, what you trade and how your business operates. So it's a little bit unfair for us to say, oh, just go and open nine bank accounts because it's, it's not that the case. But at the minimum, you should have your main account where all your money comes into. It. And then, in our opinion, you should have three months worth of um, overheads um, in there. So... You know, around a normal sort of flying business could have ten to twenty thousand quid as their cash flow. Um, so, but normally it's three months of your overheads, and then you have your tax account. You could just split this into VAT and um, corp and um, PAYE, um, or you could you could split them as in, into three, or you just have one tax account where as soon as money comes in, you get rid of it because you're just collecting it for. Uh, Rishi and the boys, So, um, but then what you can do is at the first every month, you know what your uh, amount in the bank should be, so let's say for this instance, it's 15 grand, so you've transferred all your money out to your tax and your PAYE, and then from there, you move what is left, your profit, into your profit account, and that then gives you a clear vision of what's actually left for you to spend or not to spend. As opposed to getting huge deposits and thinking you actually won the lottery, or the opposite way around being constantly in overdraft and not actually getting out is that yeah. a fair explanation yeah.
1: for mm. I think that's probably a starting point is getting your your banking in order yeah start point number two would therefore be to create a budget, okay um most people won't even know what a budget is i'm
0: I'm lost now i'm I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> I can He's deal with the bank accounts. but now- uh, switching off, switching,
1: switching off. off now. Okay, so how this is normally put together is that you would have a household budget, which is your personal expenditure, what you're bringing into your household. Um, and as an owner operator, as I said before, it's quite it's quite important you look at this as well because this will give you an idea of what your desired income should be to sustain the lifestyle that you want or that you that you feel that you should be achieving. So that's the first bit. The second part of that is creating your business budget. So let's just start with the personal ones to start off with because I think we can put that in really simple terms that most people have the same kind of expenditure um, on a monthly basis. So um, you need to basically go onto your banking for the last three months and really analyse what you have been spending your money on, okay? Okay you then need to be able to list it all so you need to add all of your outgoings up so you need to be looking at your household expenses which would be things like your rent your mortgage your council tax your water rates all of those things that you have to pay for transport costs so any personal fuel that you have and you might have a personal car that you have to run whatever that might be or a bus pass or anything um You've got living costs. A bus pass. A bus pass. Yes. <laughs> many flowing no.
0: um, shop owners or contractors no, but have a bus pass.
1: You might have bus pass in your family. You might have it for, for your kids. Your kids might have bus yeah. pass. Yeah. yeah. A thing, so. Don't take the piss. Right. Um, living costs are things like groceries um, and, and all of those kind of things. Holidays. One thing that people miss out on all Not the time. <laughs> yeah. Holiday budget. Because how many times do you get like partway through the year and go, I need a holiday. And then you go, I ain't got any money to spend on a holiday. Well, it's because you've not included it in your budget, a realistic budget. Um, Entertainment costs. I'm not talking about (laughs) Babe Station and that kind of stuff. Where do you live? (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about entertainment, like um, maybe going out for a meal on a Saturday night or it might be taking the kids somewhere for a day out. It might be, um, it might be Apple Music or whatever that might be. Um, You're then looking at recreational costs. So anything that you do, sports clubs, hobbies, um, insurances, that's another thing people forget about. Um, The other big expense is children. Yeah, so the cost of new uniform every year. Just milk is dry. I know, yeah. Um, After school clubs, breakfast clubs. the biggest one that we've got at the moment is um the holiday clubs that you've gotta you've gotta fork out for. I mean it's an extortionate amount of money.
0: And then also personal savings and investments is
1: personal savings and investments, putting the money to one side. And also the one thing people forget to budget for is paying back debt.
0: Why do they forget that?
1: I don't know. It's random. Well, You know, if you're paying £250 a month off your Barclay card every month, that's an expense to the the household. Just because it's not reducing the balance and you're just covering the interest doesn't mean to say it's still a cost that needs to be accounted for. So we need to include the debt as well. So um, really look at all of those costs. Analyze the hell out of those costs. And if you're not an analytical person, um, get get somebody that (laughs) is. get someone else that is okay and um, the other good tip with this is that um most high street banks now have like the facility on there to show you what you like spending categories so it'll total up for you what you've spent on certain activities over the last three months i know natwest does santander does hsbc does and um, that's quite a really cool thing to do if you really don't want to do real analytical stuff on it but that's probably the best way to start it once you've done that You need to do it again a second time because I guarantee that some of the things that you pick up on the second time are things that you forgot about the first time around.
0: Another little tip that um, I don't even know who told us about it, but uh, the app Moneybox is quite good. It's similar to Plum and all the other investment things. And If you want the idiot's guide to invest in your savings, I, I find Moneybox great. They just take money out of your bank every week um, to a set amount, they even do roundups or things like that and then you log onto the app and you can invest it in whatever it is, the FTSE 500 um, and the um, you, know, you can invest it in Nike and Apple and Tesla and whatever you want but it's just dead easy um, or you can just forget about it and then go on every quarter and just keep reinvesting and doing other bits, so it's quite a good way of saving money and it comes out easy and they keep improving it so it's, there is other apps out there but if anyone is unsure how to save money using the stock exchange and stuff. You Have a look at money app. It's quite cool.
1: Yeah. And a top tip when you've created your budgets is don't be surprised when you get to the bottom of it and go, oh, I should have an excess of 700 to a thousand pound a month. Well, quite clearly you haven't if you've actually spent all your money and you're still questioning where it's all gone. So you have obviously missed stuff out. So go back over it again. Um, The third thing that you do alongside that budget is then cut out any unnecessary expenses. Yeah. Right, we did this a few years ago, didn't we? We worked out what unnecessary expenses we were spending our money on and where it all goes. Yeah, a cost of coffee is two pound sixty a day, five days a week. It's thirteen pound a week over a year. Six hundred pound you're spending on coffee, right? And um, you could Shim just pre- the caffeine, this, this, I know, really yeah, but you could just you could prepare yourself a little bit better and t- buy a flask and take it with you. It's a simple way. Um, thirty pound a week on takeaways it's nearly what. 1500 pounds a year. That's a big chunk of money on take on a takeaway a week. Um the biggest one that we really, really bottomed out on was alcohol. And we were really surprised how much we actually saved by quitting on the alcohol, the weekly alcohol. Yeah. I mean, even if you spent, you know, fifty pounds a week on it between two people in your household, um, you know, if you're on a save, for example, forty grand a year salary, that's six percent of your salary every year on the drink just on the drink it's gone um, so just on those three 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 things alone three things coffee takeaways and alcohol if you spend in the average of what most people do on a 40 grand a year salary that's 12% of your salary gone nice immediately <laughs> and it's all just stuff that you know is is it necessary is it really necessary to spend that amount of money on stuff? Is there better decisions that you could make? I think that that's about getting serious about what what your intentions are, your conscious decisions um, around your budgets, and understanding what's important as well.
0: So let's say they've got a complete handle on their personal finances because you know, mm. that's what most of us do is to to go to work to sort of create wealth for us mm. and our families, but. Let's say someone's listening to the podcast and they've got a complete handle on the personal yeah. personal shit and they're they're not spending it on costers or well. they are maybe they are and they just enjoy the enjoying that. Um and as we've been through business bank accounts, you know, a minimum really of three, um, would be our recommendation where which is your tax, your profit, and then your main trading account. Obviously there's many, many different variations, many different businesses. Um operate in different ways so we, we, we haven't got three hours to go through on this podcast but that's a that's another way so to manage the money coming in what else um in this sort of quiet february can people do for the businesses it's
1: exactly the same process as with the business exactly the same process because you've got to start you you know and i'll say this to people time and time again that um individuals that are not able to pay their own bills at home as they're supposed to, or don't feel like they're getting paid what they should be, okay, they have to start with that personal expenditure and look at that personal income. They can then work out from there what their income needs to be to be able to then live the life that they want, okay, or the life that they deserve, so to speak. What we then do is then work out, for example, okay, well, if if for example your household income means you need, you know, forty six thousand pound a year coming in, we can then work out what the monthly cost of that is. We can then feed that into what the daily um, the daily cost of that needs to be, and then we can work out from there about holidays. I mean, God forbid, imagine taking holidays off. And, being paid, and feeling like you're being paid for being able to take time off. Um, we can then use those figures to feed that back into the business to go, okay, as part of our budgets that we're setting for our business, my salary, my wage needs to be this. Okay, so that's the that's the way that the two are interconnected. And then you can add okay? your staff in. Then you can add your staff in thereafter. So you've got to start with you, and we'll say this all the time, that a lot about being a business owner is starting with you. Whether it's financial, whether it's your own personal performance, whether it's your mindset, a lot of the improvements that you have to make in your own business, because, you know, don't get me wrong, most people get in their own way. Yeah. And so you've got to start with yourself first. And that's the same with the financials as well. So start with the financials first and spend some time on that. Then make the same, do the same thing with the business. OK. Look at what you're spending, really analyze what you're spending on all your fixed costs as a start off. Okay, how much so, you're paying
0: for broadband
1: how much are you paying for broadband have how, you got two card yeah. terminals yeah
0: how much are you paying on your mobile phone yeah add them all up because i'm i'm pretty sure yeah. if if you add everything up that goes out monthly most people are like oh bloody hell that's yeah. that's quite a bit uh or i did it like six months ago and i, I didn't think it was that at all because mm. these costs change you know your average fuel and your bits and your bobs and yeah. um the other thing that we absolutely love um doesn't matter the size of the business is the the door bars um or i don't charge for door bars or i don't charge for silicon mm-hmm. or i don't ch- i just include that in the price so where do you get that from then
1: yeah
0: it's so true. that so that probably leads us on to the the controversial subject of probably meter squared price um so it's You'll see some laughing and joking on social media and stuff about don't charge per square meter from, from me. Um it's not it's not about that it doesn't work, because it certainly does work for some businesses, it could be profitable, etc. But the point is, so let's say you've worked out all your costs, you know how much the business costs to operate on a weekly, monthly, daily, whatever it is basis, no matter how big the business is, you you've got a good idea. And then you start pricing jobs at thirty five pounds a meter. Or whatever it is, what relevance does that thirty-five quid a meter? Uh, no, this is we're talking about labour stuff here. Um, if anyone's wondering, uh, obviously products are slightly different, but there's a labourer, So uh, to fit a wooden floor, or I'll do it at thirty-five quid. Oh, where have you got that from? Well, it's the going rate. Tony down the street charges thirty, so I can get thirty-five.
1: Do they do recommended retail pricing for in, for installation
0: services? <laughs> What is, what, what is the RRP
1: anyway? Yeah, who is the RRP man? The RRP man. The RRP man sets the RRPs for everything and there isn't such a person, is there? I don't know.
0: I've no. not met
1: him. There's no RRP man for installation pricing anyway. Definitely yeah. not.
0: It's um, No, I mean, I think that's... I've got a bit of a controversial view as well with manufacturers stipulating RRP or MRP or whatever because they set... Oh, we're going to upset some suppliers here, but... They, they set a price, a, sell, a sale price for your product. I think that'll do. Well, how do they know that the shop owner's overheads doesn't cover that margin? So you might have one person with a small shop but with a premium display. You might have someone with a huge shop and a premium display. Display. There, there, there. Display. I
1: can't even
0: say it. Display. Display. <laughs> um, and they have to sell. Well, they don't have to but they're recommended to sell at a price. Mm. And that makes no financial sense to me at all because they've got different overheads. So if we're going to keep on the subject of Tony down the street, if Tony's got an overhead of 10 grand a month, you know, sort of break even and someone else has got 18, but you're selling the same sort of products at the same margin and everything, it doesn't cover it.
1: But that's right. Okay, so let's put this even in, in simpler terms. Right, if you've got a, you know, a hundred square meter showroom, yeah, which, like you say, a premium display in, yeah. and then next door is a four and a half thousand square meter showroom with a premium display in. Both of those get set and told what their MRSP or RAP, I can't even say it now, RRP should be for those products. Yeah, doesn't make sense, does yeah. it? Those those shop owners should have the ability to stipulate their own RRPs. Yeah. Now it goes a bit further as well because um, having previously had a bricks and mortar showroom, you have then got the other issue of the online. Yeah, yeah, which we could talk about all day. Yeah, because.
0: It's a price war <laughs> yeah, at the bottom.
1: Normally. It's com- yeah, completely
0: price war to the bottom. Will you match it to the internet price? No, no I bloody what? Door shut, Bye. No, <laughs> <bang. laughs> yeah. No, so so that's so meter squared price is quite good for a benchmark, and you know if there is an industry sort of sanding is thirty five or, or or whatever it may be, sometimes good to benchmark it off. But it, you know, so you can get an idea or give sort of questions to. You know, give an idea of a price if if you're needing to sort of.
1: Well, when we did contracting down down in London, yeah, can you remember that when we when we were doing a lot of work down there, we were almost fifty percent cheaper than other London-based contractors.
0: That's
1: why, yeah, really stupid Northerners wanting to work away all this time, but we were, but we were still making reasonable reasonable profits on those jobs. But again, you know, if you're comparing your meter rate to somebody. That's up north compared to somebody down south. You're going to probably be very surpri- very surprised. I can't get my words out now either. Um, I think it's probably because we we're both actually quite passionate about this and about having people, um, really look at their own numbers and figure out where they're
0: at. So that's why the the system that I was going to say we've created that we haven't created it at all. It's a system that we use that works every time. And so it's your overhead costs, sort of fixed and variable. And then you really sort of analyze, yes, we'd all love to make sort of 200, 300, 500 grand net a year. That would be wonderful. But actually look at what your business, the business size and your your guys can turn out and then add your desired profit to that, which then from there you can work out what margin you need on products. You work out what labor price you need before uh, an installation van moves from the premises, uh, rather than just sort of thinking, well, I just charged 30 quid. I've always charged, well, I charged 25 years ago, and then I did 25 and then I've done 30, but there's just no structure behind the metre squared rate. So it's, and like, you know, we all know that on some metre squared rate, we get a lovely open room and we make loads of money. And then we get other ones where it looks an absolutely cushy little job. That it's like fifty meters down in a day or whatever it is, and then it be it ends up being the absolute biggest ball ache known to man. Mm-hmm. So it's so yeah, it, it's good for benchmarking, but there is definitely an easy way to do it. Um, and I think the fundamental thing is just just knowing what your burn rate is, how much it costs to operate mm-hmm. your business, and updating that. Even though we're all very very busy, but keeping a complete handle on that. So many people look at it once a year. And the costs change all the time. It just makes no sense. Not well, that's now.
1: it. And as part of putting together those budgets, you have to look at all of your pricing. And every single year, without fail, we do um, supplier pricing audits. Well, we used to. Supplier pricing audits on everything. Do a and list of everything that we've used that year and send it across to three or four different suppliers and go, what's your fixed pricing for this year? Again, negotiate all those terms. I actually got... um. This is the first email I've ever had from O2, and I've got an O2 phone. And it says, from April 2023, the monthly price of your calls, text, and data will raise by 13.4% RPI rate of inflation plus 4% as set out in your terms. So 17%. Yeah. So something that I'm in contract with has increased my rate, my monthly plan, by 17% from April and I have no way of being able to get out of that
0: is that the price of the plan or the price of the calls
1: of the device no the device plan stays the same but it's the price of the calls so it's the contract part of it that changes so if for example it's 25 pound a month you're now going to be paying 29 pound a month which is massive you know and, and, it's the um, same as
0: sheet of ply I mean I think they
1: were 40%, 40% ply they were but then they've gone back down again which yeah. was a nice pleasant surprise not back to where it was though not, not to where it was of course not but um, yeah if you're not keeping on top of your pricing and understanding and reading these things because and and really weirdly normally with messages like that from O2 because that's just a text message a generic text message I've got I've had no email notification or anything else like that normally I'd just like delete it but I've actually read it because then I'll be the first one to question why my bill's so high when it comes out in April, because I know my numbers and something's
0: me, off. If you, people charging per square meter, like even yeah. for LVT, they say, oh, well, including the prep, it's like 40 quid a meter or whatever it might be. How do you know but including the prep, well, that the screed's gone up, the ply's gone up, yeah, the pins have gone up. Hmm. And we'll have you put that square meter rate up. And then it's like, and suddenly, and when you're getting paid at the end of the job, you might be getting two grand, three grand, four grand, which is you know, decent chunk of money if it you know, certainly if you've done it in a few days. But they seem big chunks of money, but then you still end up with no money at the mm. end of end of the job. You've mm. and and that's where it we we'd love to be able to give you like this like amazing like this is where the money goes. But it's It's on you. you. It's because you haven't got a handle on <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's on you, and that's that's what it's about. It's on you to find out where your money is going. Nobody else can tell you where your money is going or where it's being spent or where you need to make informed decisions about how you're spending your money. Um, you know, if you're spending, you know, twenty grand a year on holidays, well, why not start thinking? Okay, I'm going to start spending ten. On, could you get a family holiday for ten now? Maybe not. Um. But yeah, you really, really need to get a handle on it. You've got to work out what's really important to you. Um, you've got to figure out what the um, what the priorities for, for you are. If you're sitting there going, I've got so much debt, well, the priority for you has to be about getting that debt repaid. And you've got to find the leverage as well. So I think there's all of those things. And do you know what I'm also going to be really controversial about as well? Just touching on that... Um, the number of people at the moment that are going, oh, this is the the worst time we've had in years and we're really struggling financially. We can't get things in. I think controversially what's happened is everybody, this, this industry has had a bit of a boom in the last few years and we've been so busy not being able to keep up with the pace of demand. Pricing has gone up. The demand for services has also um, matched that. And we've had really extensive lead times. So we've had You know, people that are doing three to four month lead times on work and projects. And because they've been that busy, what they've done is they've stopped advertising their services and they've actually stopped caring about those new inquiries that are coming through. And now when the taps have turned off, it's come back to bite them in the ass. So that's my controversial (laughs) feedback on that.
0: So on a more positive note, obviously, we've quite a few high level, um, by high level, to means they're on our highest tier package, so they tend to be businesses operating over 600 grand, um, probably up to sort of 2.5 mil. I would say, what have you seen those guys do, um, to get their act together? Because normally, the high level clients we, we we have here, Cockrell & Co., um, after that sort of figure of like six seven hundred grand, they've normally mm-hmm. got a handle on the numbers. So, what else? Have you seen Sarah that has sort of been a bit of a game changer so far in the last six months?
1: We um absolutely, categorically renegotiating terms and on things like telephone contracts. So um like for example, um you know people that have been in these lengthy, long contracts that are three, five years down the line with BT, and they've just not those those um those contracts have expired, and they've never renegotiated on the terms. And they could actually be they could have switched to an alternative supplier, come back with a cheaper product. Um they're some of the biggest things, cutting down on subscriptions, creating um um all of those things, really looking at analysing it. Because I think it it's a time thing, isn't it? With with people that are turning over those kind of those kind of sums, the money is just rolling in all the time. You never have time to just sit back and go, okay, what is this actually costing me? That's been some of the biggest changes I've seen.
0: Well, I think the best one for me was my my tactic was if you have mm. a profit account with money in it, rather than when the sales rep comes in and goes, hey, do you fancy a pallet of this? Or there's this stuff that's cheap. And then you put it on your shop floor and it, and then you start selling it out cheap. And then you're left with six boxes and it wasn't actually that cheap in the first place. What about creating a profit account that's definitely your money, et cetera, but it really needs to sit there a bit longer than a month or whatever, but then buy your consumables that are definitely going to go down with your excess profit. So don't take that out your main trading account. Take it out the profit account. So take a sheet. Um, take a sheet. Take a pallet of ply. Take a pallet of glue. Take a bulk of lacquer, uh, roll stock carpets. Whatever is actually going to move quick and definitely use your profit to then turn that into more profit. Um, we've had a, custom, a couple of customers do mm. that. It just completely transformed the business. Rather than thinking, "Oh, I've got ten, twenty grand in my trading account. What, what, did, what's the, what, what, what's it going to harm if I just take a, you know, a pallet of this and a pallet of that and hope it might sell?" Because most of these ones that hope you sell, yes, you do make a better margin on them and stuff. But most of the time, unless it's constant stock, you're going to be left with eight boxes, and then you end up giving the eight boxes away to mrs jones and say, oh you can have this at cost because i want it off my oh, shop or alone? you put it on
1: facebook marketplace or you do the beautiful thing of just chucking it in the bin because it's a right load of shit and somebody <laughs> and they've changed the spec of it all and you can't actually get any more of it yeah. so you might as well have just burnt your money
0: well it's yeah i think that's another way of buying stock i mean a little bit more strategic with it than yeah actually sort of just making up as you
1: as you go along yeah
0: <laughs> i think that's the, the it's very lonely when you've got when you're running a shop or running a fitting business or any type of flight do not know any type of flight business you tend to only speak to your customers and your, your colleagues and you don't actually have anyone mm-hmm. to speak to and that's that's one thing i think that's a benefit of working with us is in our sort of network, we've got other people with similar size operations and they can speak to each other. Yeah. Um, sometimes they don't even want to speak to us, they want to speak to each other. Yeah. Um,
1: Which is nice. Yeah. Which is nice. But I think, I think if we'd have, you know, if we'd have implemented all of this stuff years ago and really had a good handle on it, instead of just picking a number out of the sky and going, okay, we want X amount of turnover this year and what are the tactics to get there? Um, I think if we'd have had a proper handle on this, we could have probably been in a better, much better position now. And that's obviously the driving force behind why we do what we do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we do hope that this podcast has been um useful and you've managed to get something from it.
0: And I think I'm gonna chuck one more thing that Go you on didn't even know I was gonna chuck in. What I think we'd like to do, because I actually really enjoy it. And I think it would benefit the flooring industry and will benefit anyone. If you are really shit at your numbers or really sort of don't even know where to start, what I'd like to do is for only for the listeners of the podcast, you can come up to Costa del Darlington, which if anyone doesn't know where Darlington is, we're about 35 miles south of Newcastle, and come and spend two or three hours with us here at the training centre and we will mastermind out what is or what isn't going wrong or are even... you
1: offering our time up here
0: i am i'm a busy lady i know <laughs> but um we're going to cap it to 10 companies um completely free of charge uh which is bananas because we would normally charge in in around 600 quid for a consult of of this type but i think with it being february and we'll cut this off if anyone's listening um In the future of this, we'll cut this off to the end of May. So if anyone listens after the end of May, this offer doesn't count. So, And the way we do these free sessions is you would pay £100 uh, as a deposit. And then when you turn up, we refund it in full, which might sound a bit strange. But if we're going to book out a few hours in our time to completely mastermind out what is or isn't going right or wrong, and you don't show up that's cost us money so as long as anyone that wants to come and that doesn't matter if you are one person in a van with a very low turnover or if there's a couple of you running so you know a decent seven seven figure business and you just want an impartial view I, i'd quite enjoy that if i'm honest you yeah. know, we so, do that we do that anyway with our existing yeah. clients um i'm if, on
1: board with this i feel like it's a good helpful thing to give back
0: well, I think, And then if it
1: becomes popular, we'll do more of it on something else.
0: Yeah, so we could do more. Well, we, we do already do this. We do already yeah, do yeah, this. Yes, all of our existing clients get access to all of our free courses. But you I know, but you're
1: re- now opening it up to the world of flooring people to come and see us for free.
0: Yeah, but only on the financials. Yes, on the well, financials. On the financials. Yes. Well, unless you can quite happily come and pay and do our other courses. But uh, but on the financials, if you're really in the shit or really don't know where to turn and you don't know what's... Um, you know what needs to happen. Um, come for a couple of hours to Darlington, we'll feed you, a will water you, and we'll mastermind it out. How's that?
1: So, how do people book that then? So, email
0: or website,
1: email or website, Instagram, Instagram, yeah, e- reach out on Instagram, um, at Cockrell and Co. Um, you can email us at hello at cockrellandco.co.uk UK, you can call us on all one three two five nine five two five four eight and where was the last
0: place
1: linkedin if or, you wish your linkedin
0: Where are tom or sarah Cockrell.
1: yeah and you can reach out to us and we will put the wheels in motion and do what we can to help
0: well hope you've enjoyed this little controversial controversial of lack of being able to speak english <laughs> uh, podcast and we will see you again here soon
1: and remember the only limit in your flooring business is you
0: like to find out more information about what we do you can visit our website at cockrellandco.co.uk that's cockerelandco.co.uk we also have an instagram account which is cockrellandco and co and also we are on facebook once again don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you here again soon